Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, I'm going to talk about something that keeps coming up in the questions you post, and it's about how do you deal with long-term care or needing assistance when you get older or for your parents who are aging? What do you look for? And I got good news about health. How about that? There are some great developments in technologies that are actually going to improve the quality of our health and potentially the length of our lives. The opposite of what we talk about with long-term care, which is like when we get broken down more and more and we need care. Now, with me is Krista, our... uh, producer extraordinaire, our boss, <laughs> our everything, the COO of Clark Howard, Inc., who uh, I do what you tell me, when uh-huh. you tell me, right? Yeah. Just call me Krista. Just call like you, you Krista. <laughs> People love I'm hearing just happy you to on have this a job. podcast. You know some, that, some right? Some don't. You know, you can't please everybody, but okay. um, no, I love working with you. I'm so grateful for my job. That's all I'll say. So the important thing about talking about you is that you and I had a conversation about long-term care recently because you and your husband were wondering about it. Is it something you should be doing? And I said, no, you're too young. And you said, but what later if I don't have good health or whatever? And I was talking about uh, with you and I was thinking you have been around me all these years and you were asking very targeted questions that made it clear that maybe all this time of hearing me, I'm not explaining that well. Or I'm a bad listener. No, no, no. So the story is long-term care insurance pays when you can't do a number of activities, what are referred to as activities of daily living. And so it's designed to pay for you to have assistance in your home or in some form of facility. could be a, a... long-term care uh, facility, nursing home, whatever. And long-term care policies pay a daily benefit that usually will be inflation-adjusted over time, and it'll be capped as well. Well, going back 25 years ago, everybody in the insurance industry decided this was the next Eldorado, the next road paved with gold, was selling people long-term care policies. And hundreds, if not more than a 1,000 companies were out there beating each other up for market share, selling long-term care insurance. Fast forward, they all lost their shirts because they underpriced it. Americans have lived longer and less healthy than the actuarial table said they would. The actuaries messed up. And so... Almost all the insurers that sold this stuff 
quit the business. Now, it's a very, very small number of companies that sell it. And when you buy it, there will be tight caps on how long it will cover you, typically three years or five years. And the other thing is the premiums are not guaranteed. As we've heard from people over the years, they'll get a premium notice increase of 700% or 300%. Or if they're lucky, only 50% in a year because they start riding on the backs of the wallets of the people who have not needed long-term care but still have a policy in place, and they were wrong about how much it was going to cost to provide, so they stick it to the people who have the policies. The insurers today who are continuing to sell it are much more aware about what it's actually going to cost them to deliver the care, and they don't allow an unlimited benefit anymore. My late mom had an unlimited benefit. I'm surprised the insurer didn't hire a hitman to take my wife, my, my mom out because she was costing so much money for them year after year after year, and she lived a long, long, long time after she had lost her mental faculties and ate up the insurer's wallet. And so now they're like, okay, three years, five years, that's it. Buy a little inflation protection if you want. A lot of people now, if they buy that kind of stuff, are going to buy one that is, if you're married, for a couple, that it's like a shared benefit that you have. That'll drive the premiums down some. But you still face the risk down the road that the premiums will go through the roof, but not likely like happened in the past. So um, most people are going to be just fine with a five-year benefit period. It's very rare that someone will be like my mom and needs care for much longer than five years. You can't insure against everything, but having coverage for five years is good. You want to have inflation protection because a benefit today is not going to be worth that much 20 years from now. Why do I say 20 years? Glad you asked that, Krista. (laughs) Because when you asked me about it, what age did I say you and Mike should be looking at buying one of these policies? Do you remember? Like 60. Yeah, right about late 50s, early 60s. It's kind of a sweet spot. Your kids will be grown and gone. They'll be off mommy and daddy welfare. Mm -hmm. You'll have money you can use towards this that's not available right now in your life. You do have an outside chance that you won't medically underwrite because of some illness you will develop, a chronic condition between now and that age. But the risk is one that is just something you have to go in with your eyes open and know that could happen but it's kind of the sweet spot time to buy. And so you buy that inflation protection, you should have something that will be useful to you. Now, there is something else that a lot of people who own their own businesses are doing, is they're buying a hybrid policy, which is one where you buy a life insurance policy, the kind I don't like, uh, but in this case, it's what works, a whole life insurance policy, which has like a savings account in it as well as a death benefit. And in it, you can buy a rider at additional cost that provides you a living benefit that the tax code smiles on that you can use for long-term care. The premiums are set. The benefit is set. You know the maximum amount you're going to have is whatever amount of coverage you bought. So let's say most people buy a quarter million dollars. That's what you've got for assisted living. And that's what will be available to you. So the insurer can fully calculate the risk 
and you know what you're going to get, you know what you're paying for. Um, the benefit does not inflation adjust, like it's great to have with this. And so you know that at least that amount of the cost of being in a long-term care facility, that amount only will be paid for by that amount of coverage that you would have. And then it means that you ate up the benefit that somebody may have received at time of your death from the payout, the death payout from a life insurance policy. The reason that's very appealing to a lot of people is you don't know you're ever going to need to be in a long-term care facility. You don't know if you're ever going to need help with the activities of daily living. So you pay the premiums on long-term care all through those years, and you're thinking, wow, I paid all those premiums, and I never used that. You know what I would say? I'd say, yippee! I stayed healthy. I don't need this. It's kind of like saying with auto insurance, I hate it. I paid these premiums, and I didn't have a wreck. Or I paid for insurance on my home, and it didn't burn to the ground. You know what? It's okay that you pay for insurance that you never have to call upon. But if that freaks you out, you can buy one of these hybrid policies and you at least know that the money you have paid in will come back to be a benefit in some way, either while you're living, for your care, or after you're gone for someone you love who you want to receive the money. So with that having been said, Krista, Love to have some questions. Chris in Oregon says, what is the best credit card for travel with no ATM fees, no exchange rate fees, good travel insurance available with the use of a car, et cetera? And what is the best credit card for cashback? Okay, so these are two entirely different cards we're talking about here. And so um, I've got on Clark.com, I've got a list of the best cashback cards, the best travel cards, depending on your situation. But let me cut to the chase. With the uh, cashback cards, there are a number now that are at the 2% figure. There are the variety of cards from Fidelity Investments that are 2% cashback. City has the double cash. The other big player doing this is <laughs> Wells Fargo. And as I said after a Clark stinks, why don't I talk about the Wells Fargo card? It is a legitimate offer in the marketplace, even though it is from a criminal enterprise impersonating a bank, you can get the Wells Fargo 2%. There are also a number of other offers. There's one from a credit union called Alliant that has unusual for a cashback card, has an annual fee, but has a reward level higher than the 2% that seems to be the top tier of the marketplace. But you can look at those online. With the travel cards that include things like car rental coverage, um, may include some form of trip insurance, it's hard to find any that does everything you'd want. But with the travel cards, you have to decide if you are a free agent or you're a captive of a particular airline. If you're a captive of a particular airline, generally you want that airline's own mileage card that uh, gets you points on that airline and hopefully a bunch of the other benefits you want. If you're not, then you want to look at the uh, Chase Sapphire products, depending on how much you spend, how much you travel, you want to look at their cards as a general card. American Express 
for a high-volume charger who loves to travel and particularly likes high-end travel, you want to look at the ridiculously expensive annual feed, American Express Platinum. And those are the behemoths of the uh, general free agent reward cards for people who love to travel. The two versions of the of the um, Chase Preferred and one is Reserve and one is, wait, Sapphire Reserve and Preferred? I believe so. Is that the two names? I know we've got them on our One has the giant article. annual fee. The other is 100 bucks. They're both really, really good travel cards. And then the American Express, of course. And you can compare the benefits of each and see which appeals to you. And again, we have more cards than the highlights I just gave you on our guides at Clark.com to the cashback and the travel cards. And plus, we have other categories we've written up for you as well. From Austin and Alabama, I still have my first credit card, a secured credit card with a local credit union with a $250 limit. Huh. I have several other credit cards now. Does having a secured credit card look bad on my credit score? If I just change it over to a regular line of credit, will that affect me and should I keep it open? Austin, uh, first of all, that secured card obviously did what you were hoping to do. You now have multiple other cards. It worked as your training wheels credit, established your reputation as a responsible user of credit. You got the others. There's no benefit to you having that card now because you've obviously established a very good track record with credit. Go to the credit union, tell them you want one of their regular cards now, and they'll see, obviously, that the secured card program got you launched, and they will have a variety of credit cards that are just regular old cards they can issue to you, and you'll be good to go. If the credit union doesn't want you, the $200 limit's small enough. You can just close it anyway, and with the credit you already have, you should be absolutely fine. So one talk about something really positive. And when you talk about the future in a positive way or a negative way, a lot of times you're going to present a range of possibilities. You're going to miss the mark. But I think this one is rock solid. I want to talk to you coming up, and that is the improvements in the health care available to us and the lifespans we're likely to enjoy, and that's coming up. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I am an incredibly optimistic person. It's just who I am. It's what makes me up. And so there are times you'll hear me talk about something about the present or the future that you'll say I'm tone deaf, that like I'm missing the mark. And you'll also hear me in the area I want to talk about right now, healthcare. You'll hear me talk about all the problems with healthcare, which we know there are. But I have the unique privilege of being on the board and have been for 12 years of a medical research organization that is a nonprofit devoted to research uh, 
on cancer and is the Prostate Cancer Foundation in Santa Monica, California. And it's, you know, enlightened self-interest. I have prostate cancer. I'm really interested in what's going on and being part of the solution of coming up with ways to improve the lifespans and cut the mortality risk from prostate cancer. But a lot of the research being done in this is having spinoffs into others, and this is true with various cancers. But what I've learned over the years is that the scientists who do the research and the, the uh, university-based medical researchers are working on stuff that is so phenomenal for treatments of various cancers that right now are incurable, various cancers where people's quality of life suffers a lot, uh, various illnesses that are things that you just tell people to go get their affairs in order, that we're moving step by step to an era of what a lot of people refer to the coin phrase, precision medicine. And this is really going to happen where based on your individual makeup, you will have a individualized treatment plan, completely different than you think the standard playbook with so many cancers, we're going to hit you so much radiation or so much chemo or some combination of the both of them. You're going to have these side effects. We're going to poison your body to try to get rid of the bad stuff so you can recover and live some more or a normal lifespan. And let's face it, this has already been an enormous improvement where we are right now from when I was a kid and somebody was diagnosed with cancer. Nobody could say the word cancer. At the most, they might say the C word. They wouldn't say cancer or they'd call it a tumor or a malignancy or something. Nobody would say the word cancer because cancer meant death, period. You know, we uh, have a long-time connection to a children's cancer center. And if you go back 50 years ago, the survival rate of children's cancers was 25%. Now it's about 80. I mean, this is in two generations, we've made that progress. But the treatments can be brutal for the kids, just like treatments for an adult. What's coming are treatments for illnesses that are so micro-targeted that the side effect issues are not going to be as severe and also the treatments will be much more effective at killing the bad stuff without hurting you through the process. This is not pie in the sky. This is real stuff that's happening at university-based research medical centers. And this is great stuff that's coming. How we're going to pay for it all? (laughs) I have no idea because we don't know how to pay for the medicine we have right now. But the reality is the treatments are getting a lot better. There is, I want you to know this, if you have someone stricken with a potential terminal illness in your family or a friend, because of where the leaning edge is in medical and science research versus current practice in so many illnesses, 
there's becoming a larger and larger gap between the most advanced places for treatment and other places for treatment. And it's just a fact. There are a lot of things that are not life-threatening, or if they are, there's pretty standard protocols. But let's say something is highly terminal. I want you to go out there and find, and you don't do this looking at message boards of people on Facebook. You do this Dr. By, Google? Yeah, Dr. Google's not. Well, you can use Dr. Google to find, a, to find <laughs> what are the research centers that are doing the, the really forward work on whatever the illness is or cancer that a loved one is facing. And so you do that kind of research to find the cutting edge for someone who faces have a nice life, get your will done. There may be, I don't want to give false hope, but there may be things going on at university-based research center hospitals, not in your hometown. You're going to have to travel usually, but there may be people working on stuff that is really making a difference. And you're going to have to dig in and read medical literature, which is crazy. If you've never heard the story about me in 2009, 13 years ago, when I found out I had uh, prostate cancer, I was in Shanghai in communist China. We were on one of our staff trips when I, my wife called me crying that I had cancer. And so I immediately started reading medical journals. And I found the best useful information to me in a British publication called Lancet. And they were treating prostate cancer really differently in Europe than we were treating in the United States. In the U.S., 13 years ago, no matter what level of prostate cancer you had or whatever, you got cut or radiated or whatever right away. I'm standing here 13 years later, and I have never had any treatment at all for my prostate cancer. I go through what's called active surveillance, where I have a specialized MRI every year, and if called for, I have a biopsy. There's been no growth in my cancer. So I've had 13 years of just being monitored and no effect. Doesn't mean that, that if you find out you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, it means, oh, I don't have to worry about right. that. I don't have to do anything. No, you have to manage the disease. And that's what we're moving to. In my case, managing the disease has meant no treatment. I take some, I take three different prescription drugs for mine. Uh, but that's it, and no treatments. So, but it goes back to the heart of what I'm talking about, which is you have to be your own advocate. You have to do real research. You have to go travel by car or airplane to where the best cutting-edge research is going on. And you've got to be an advocate for yourself. Doctors in everyday clinical practice work their butts off who are treating people for illnesses, but they don't get the time. They don't have enough hours in the week to be up to the minute on the latest research, the latest promising developments, the latest thoughts about how you treat something when it is a terminal illness. And that's why you've got to go to the people 
that are at that cutting edge. Now, for all those doctors in clinical practice that want to know where I got my medical degree, I have zero knowledge of medicine. It is true. And you may feel I'm practicing medicine without a license right now. And you can feel that way. But I am an advocate for you in your life in so many ways and for people with medical problems in their lives. And they've got to be good medical consumers just like you're a consumer of anything else. By the way, if you are a doctor, you're very unhappy with anything I've said about the coming era of precision medicine and improved general health, and you feel like I've misled people, please go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and post. And then maybe in a week or so, Krista will be reading sure. your post. <laughs> okay. Let's go to some questions. This is from Mike in California. My partner and I were in Maui, and we went to book a snorkeling trip. We were told the regular price for two people was $350, but if we listened to a travel booking website presentation, the price would drop to only $150 for the two of us. Oh, boy. I know where this and is going. And that was their best price. We declined, and then we were told we could get it for $79 if we attended the presentation. Wait, wait. We, so it started retail $350. $350. Then went, went to $150. Now it's 79. Okay. We declined that. Then they told us we could get the trip for a total of only $38 if we attended the presentation. We declined that too. Is this a new type of timeshare presentation? Well, yeah, this is, this is typical of any interval sale, timeshare sale, that they, uh, they give you whatever thing you're looking for at a fraction of the cost in return for getting you into that presentation because when you're at a destination, the close rate on a timeshare and interval ownership, from what I've read, is one in three. And that's a hugely successful close rate. You're on vacation. You're having a great time. You're like, this is the life. They do the pitch about how this could be your life every year. And you're like, wow. And, and that's not very much money. We could do that. Hook and mouth. They got you. So it is the most expensive, almost free trip you, or uh, snorkeling, snorkeling trip. trip you would have ever done. And you're best off paying real money and not going to the presentation because of that one in three thing that the odds once you're in there, you're going to make a decision that you're going to be like, why did we ever do that? I don't want you later having that series of regrets. Okay, this is from Cynthia in California. One of my methods from er for earning a bit of extra money is to take advantage of brokerage offers. For example, I just moved $200,000 from Vanguard to Merrill, moving not cash, but the actual Vanguard asset, the Vanguard Total Bond Market Fund, because Merrill's fund choices carry higher fees and expense ratios than Vanguard's. In exchange, Merrill gave me $900, plus I get the benefits associated with my Bank of America checking account, Merrill being owned by Bank of America. Since it's a Vanguard fund held in a Merrill account, they will charge me a nasty transaction fee if I buy more shares, but there's no fee for reinvesting dividends or selling. I also like to take advantage of credit card offers where the bank pays the customer money for charging a certain amount on the card within a certain number of days after issuance. I always pay the balance at the end of every month, so I never owe interest. What does Clark think of these strategies? And by the way, I never see a 1099 for any of these offers, meaning I assume that the IRS is never informed about the money, seems like a bit of a tax loophole. So I don't know why in a case like with a brokerage like Merrill throwing an incentive at you, why that's not 
1099 item. I would check at the end of the year your uh, 1099 that Merrill Lynch issues to you, and it may be on there somewhere. But your strategy, it's like the person who sent in the question about the thing Chase was doing where they were paying you $500 to open an account with Chase. And we see these different offers come up. And as long as you jump through the hoops as you need to and you're mindful of when the fees may come later on and you talked about how to avoid the fees, you're good. You're in great shape and take their $900 and keep your low-cost Vanguard investments along the way. I love it. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope there's something you heard today that you can actually use in your life. And as always, I got information for you around the clock. Thanks to this hardworking person to my right, Chris Starr, COO. No, thanks to our amazing team that does all the work. I was waiting for you to say that at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And, you know, we've got these wonderful newsletters that are free. We work hard as we can to give you content that is useful to your wallet and your life each and every day.